Welcome to Constructed Futures. I'm Hugh Seaton. Today I'm here with Steve Sims, Director of Business Development at Agile Handover. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you, Hugh. I appreciate you inviting me. Excellent. So I'd love to start with what Agile Handover does. Let's kind of lay the groundwork. Sure. Uh, well, we're, we're a company that uh, is digitally transforming uh, the ability to capture facilities management knowledge from the engineering phase, the construction, the commissioning, the actual handover, and of course, then the O&M phase. So we've got a a technology stack. We call it digital handover management. It's a platform that has uh, processors and, and engineering logic and uses natural processing language to make the inefficient job of handover into an efficient cost-effective way to capture uh, the data and, and document knowledge that owners require. And do you primarily sell to owners or is it across the board to contractors as well? Well, it's, it, it, it's mostly owners, but now contractors are jumping on the digital transformation bandwagon and they see that uh, it's a cost-effective way for them to meet the owner's requirements and deliver the goods that uh, the owner bought and paid for. So I have to ask, because this is usually a fun thing to hear about, companies like yours often have before and after stories. Customers come to you because it was like, oh my God, that was such a disaster. We can't have that again. Can you give me some examples like that or of, of you know, how you came in and, and cleaned house or at least made it you know, significantly different? I think that helps people to understand what, you know, what you're doing. Sure, well, you know, I'll, I'll kind of tell you the, the journey. Uh, <clears throat> I've been in the technology space for a long time and worked with a lot of owners and been trying to do this. And about 15 years ago, I started off on this mission to bring uh, digital databases, asset digital databases online for owners. And, you know, I used to work at Bentley and we did a good job with what we had, but we didn't have this solution. And so uh, some of us left and, and built this so we could deliver this to the owners and, mm-hmm. and reduce that hidden cost of handover because that's what's been cost prohibitive for contractors and for owners to specify digital submittal requirements that can be delivered over and over because they're clear, concise, and they're valid of what the owner actually wants and what the supply chain needs to deliver, whether it's a manufacturer, whether it's an engineering firm, uh, again, if it's a GC and what all his subs do, and of course, then commissioning agents. And then the last piece is the old last mile, uh, what's really responsible from an operations maintenance perspective to keep your digital databases current and up to date. So that's kind of where it all started. And, and about three years ago, the, the technology got brought to market and has been uh, very successful in places. We actually have a usability lab customer and you know, it's no, no secret. Uh, it's the Howard Hughes Medical Institute people. Got case studies out there. But those folks have really pushed the bar on 
capturing asset digital databases for everything they have across their facility campus from, you know, all the equipment that they have, all of the uh, furnishings they have, all of the test equipment they have, keeping track of it, knowing where it is and knowing what condition it's in. And, uh, you know, basically all of the attribute information you could look for. And what is it about the Howard Hughes facility that made, other than being well run, is there something about how that, how, what kind of facility is or what the facility does that makes what you do particularly useful? Well, I mean, uh, a facility is a facility, whether you're in the Fed space or you're, you know, automotive or, or manufacturing of, of any kind, but, you know, they are a funded organization and, and they do world-class experiments and everything they have is pretty mission critical. So it, you know, it's just like anybody, you, you got mission dependency indexes and condition assessment ratings, and you want to make sure that you're uh, keeping your facilities uh, uh, operationally ready to fulfill the mission that, you know, they have at hand. But I, I will tell you that, you know, they are forward thinking people mm. and they are setting the bar and their facilities management team is, is a bunch of rock stars. They get in the weeds and understand the problem. So, you know, they knew they had a problem. I mean, I can't speak uh, completely for them because I won't, mm -hmm. but they're an owner that saw the need, saw the success and continued to push the envelope for digital transformation of their facility management knowledge. So, and, and there's other owners now that are doing that as well. Yeah. Um, and what's driving some of that? Is it, I mean, obviously everybody wants their facility to run well and they want to know where everything is and all that. But are you finding that owners are understanding what they can even ask for in a way that maybe wasn't true earlier? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it's an educational process because, you know, this is new. People mm -hmm. have done this before. They've worked around it, but they haven't gone directly at it. And so, you know, it's, it's a continual value attachment, if you would, down imperatives, timelines, that uh, these folks uh, have seen uh, put on the timeline and are knocking them off as you go. So, yeah, it's, and the nice thing is it's, uh, you know, we've been able to be involved with them directly as a uh, technology provider, as a handover SME and to work with their team and to uh, work with all of their operational staff as well. So it's, it's, it's been a very good relationship uh, and I applaud them because they're doing what owners want to do, but they're actually doing it. And on their end, and let's talk abstractly, I don't want you to have to speak specifically about a client, but generally speaking, how much difference is there in terms of, of time commitment on the client side to, to work with you? Do they need someone who's going to organize things or someone who's going to work with you or is the, the, the software and the system that you have, you know, doing a lot of the work and, and they're just approving things like how, what's the, what's the involvement of the client? Yeah. I mean, you know, the software is, like I said, it, it's a set of processors to be utilized uh, based on how you do it, but it all starts with, you know, what have you got? Uh, so, you know, everybody has silos. 
they got maintenance management systems, they got facilities management, they got IWIMS, they got building controls, this, that, and the other. And so when you look at it, you know, we pretty much get involved in laying out the data architecture and we do it through the uh, old IDEF process that we've utilized for years. And so it maps out, you know, who, who are the data participants, if you would, from the people that are providing data, who are the data users and what kind of systems do they have for the management of change? And so, for example, you know, when, when a reconstruct or a shutdown turnaround or a capital project comes in, you've got all this data and all these documents that aren't necessarily the same apple. And so when you define that, you know, I'm going to get BIM data and they call an air handler or a boiler this mm-hmm. and the maintenance management database schema calls it that and the facilities management or the IWIMS or the document management calls it that. That's been one of the dilemmas is you try to stuff everything into a silo, but what you don't have is a federated version of that same apple and and so we're able with our patented technology to do that normalization transformation process that enables that to be captured and efficiently put in the silo it's supposed to be but found by any other silo user or any person because it's all indexed and associated and that's been the missing link for people getting that accomplished and you can go anywhere in America or around the world. And it's the same problem because, you know, they put a new technology stack in to solve all the problems and it didn't solve all the problems. <laughs> Labeling and naming is a problem everywhere, isn't it? I mean, it's not just a construction or, or facilities problem. It just shows up here pretty, pretty a lot. Well, um, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was going to say, you're absolutely right. And how does that process work? So, so let's say it's, it's, you know, a new facility or a new set of facilities. Is there a, a, a kind of a, some service and some, some, the software brings some understanding, but you know, you or your team or the, or the client team is going through, cause often, you know, with data, the very beginning is a little bit of a pain in the neck to set it up. But once you have it set up, then it's, it's off to the races. Is sure. There, is there a little bit of that? Yeah, I mean, basically, uh, you know, most folks are similar but dissimilar in how they uh, label things. Hmm. And for example, again, the traditional thing is here. I've dumped everything to you. I may have a project closeout matrix. I may have an equipment list. I may have whatever you said your submittal requirements were. And, you know, the contractors, you know, they're, they're doing a great job trying to amass this and deliver what the owner expects them to deliver. But again, it's not very clear, concise, and valid. And, and I'll just give you an example. The feds have, you know, had the UFGS spy standard for a long time. Now they're trying to turn it into a true digital standard and realize the normalcy, whether I'm, you know, uh, 
the Corps or the Navy or, or, or NASA or whoever, that way the supply chain gets a common submittal requirement that they know they can deliver on for you know product attributes that are required, documents that are required, who's the uh, stage deliverer. Uh, it's called the you know maturity model. Is it design? Is it construction? Is it commissioning? so forth and so forth and and who's the responsible accountable party and so when you do that you start streamlining it but most people aren't there and so the messy stuff that gets submitted into a submittal portal be it you know any technology stack you want to mention the stuff is there now the owner says great you delivered it now what am i going to do with it well, in most cases, they don't do a heck of a lot with it. And that's been part of the problem is, yeah, I got it, but it's not digitally available. I can't utilize it. I can't put it into you know, my uh, RCM program. I can't put it in to my iWIMS for you know, move management. It, it just never gets put online. And so what we're able to do is, is very efficiently have those rules for processing the different data sources, even just normalizing up front. You called an air handler this, I call it that. So I normalize all of the equipment to what the owner wants. And then I go through and start harvesting the information from the different data sources to capture and populate that I did get the attributes to capture and populate that I did get all the required documents, you know, any site acceptance test, any test and balance reports, any warranty information. And from a project manager standpoint, oh, I've got my gospel and I'm doing it. And yeah, so I sign off, I, I let it be brought online, but I can't use it because I really don't have what I, I need. So we have a QAQC processor that basically says all of your stuff that's supposed to be submitted, here's what we're supposed to have. And I can press that button and run that report. And it tells me that I've got all the documents or I don't, I've got the data or I don't. And it can give you a incomplete submittals checklist that you can hand back to the contractor and say, Hey, you know, this stage milestone, whatever, we don't have all that we bought and paid for, so please give it to us. And so that takes a burden off as well. And then the other nice thing is once you do have a complete submittal and what you want to do is get this stuff done before financial closeout, mm -hmm. you want to get it online in your O&M systems so ops people can use it uh, to do their maintenance plans if they need to for a new piece of equipment. They need to set up stuff in the building control system. They need to have access to that wealth of information. And this system allows that to happen from taking the submittals to saying that I've got all of them to then transforming, normalizing to where that information needs to go because our system doesn't own the data. It just knows what you've got Mm -hmm. and where it's at so people can find information 
So it sort of sits in between various databases or pulls in information from various databases and among other things, makes sure that things can talk to each other and you may call it a tomato, but that's okay. We know that that really means tomato. Well, yeah, and that's the beauty of it is the users don't really care where yeah. it is yeah. because when I'm looking for a voltage or I'm looking for a weight or I'm looking for a clearance dimension or I'm looking for airflow because I'm, I'm making sure my airflow is moving air at the rate for COVID, these things aren't in your maintenance management systems all the time or hardly ever. And so that type of other information is available to them too, and they can find it because it's been indexed, it's been associated, it's been captured, it's been validated, and the management of change for all those CDE connections takes place through this middleware solution. Okay. You used a word I want to make sure we call out, and that's CDE. And I understand that to be common data environment. Is that what you meant? Yes, sir. That's what I mean. Yeah. I mean, that word gets used a little bit, and I, I want to make sure we define it because I think it's an important one. What What is a common data environment? Well, you know, everybody's calls their silo the common data environment. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And, and that's why I say- That's really funny. CDE connections, plural. Yeah. Because what an IWIM system has and what it does is great. What a maintenance management system has and what it does is great, but they don't talk to each other. They don't share information. And if I'm an IWIM's customer and I'm needing something, uh, can't find it in the maintenance management, but I can find it because it's been indexed and associated and it's in a digital database somewhere because I know because the system did that. And so people then can find stuff, whether they do it through their tab view windows of their CDE silo, or they can find it globally from those silos and through this database that is nothing more than a, a, you know, simple terms, a card catalog of all the data and documents about all of your equipment and room spaces and locations uh, across your, your campus portfolio. That's fantastic. Really, really interesting. Um, so how do you guys connect? Well, let me back up. A lot of the people that are listening to this will, will come more from the construction side. Sure. So, Let's talk a little bit about how you connect back into construction technology or if that's even necessary, whether that's a Procore or that's, a, I mean, Bentley obviously spent some time with. And right. then moving forward towards some, you know, an IWIMS and so on. Talk just a little bit about how those connections tend to work. Sure. So, you know, some, some folks use SharePoint for submittal portal. Others use eBuilders, BIM 360, Procore, and so forth. That's really a destination location that you attach to. And so in, in the case of uh, one customer, they use SharePoint. So when they have a capital project, the contractor submits everything to their shared SharePoint submittal portal location for that to be their complete submittal. Our system just attaches to SharePoint and will 
read through that information, whether again, it's spreadsheets, it might be a Kobe spreadsheet, you know, it might be BIM models, it might be 2D files, PDFs, you name it. And it goes through and, and, and of course, you know, there's generally an equipment list, of course. And so it will take that equipment list and, and process it to be normalized. And then it'll start the QA, QC process to start looking that I do have the documents and I do have the data about that. With BIM 360, we have a direct integration with their portal and we tie into the issues resolution engine. So when our QAQC reporting engine finds, let's say, incomplete information, it's automatically routed through the issues resolution engine back to the project teams. And they now know that, you know, gee, I missed some warranty documents for five pieces of equipment. I resubmit them, the process regens, and it says, okay, I got all the O&M manuals now. And then it can be turned over to the owner through our processing to their CD silos the way it needs to be. And so, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a simple process. And, you know, we attach to <laughs> many different places because everybody has something different. And, and, but that's, that's part of the problem too, is the front end submittal. If, if I'm an enterprise owner and I got, you know, 15 different sites doing it 15 different ways, I'm not really capturing the efficiency of a true submittal portal to then be a handover management processing. And so, you know, we get involved with people in suggesting things in, in that front too. So just to clarify, the upfront kind of processing of specs into submittals and all that, is that something you guys get involved in or are you primarily towards the end of a project? Well, with the feds, we're actually on the front end process of generating <clears throat> true uh, handover submittal requirements <clears throat> for the various phases of a project. Again, design, construction, commissioning, uh, and, and of course the O&M side. Got it. Um, so I, I asked a little earlier about what happens when you're not there? I, I you know, what, what, what are you replacing? I mean, a lot of people may know that, but I think it's worth digging in a little bit is that, you know, you're simplifying all this, but what happens without you? The, the customers can process <clears throat> their own projects day in and day out. I mean, we're a technology provider, number one, but we're handover subject matter experts. And so we coach and train and develop the handover program tied into their governance compliance so they don't have to have us. Uh, they can bring us back if they're doing something new and different that we haven't done before, but it's it's truly an educational coaching process we do with customers because you know we're not a we're not a service company we're a technology company that helps you implement the technology and do it as good as we do because once once you have your world set up 
then it's clicking and ticking. And, you know, I'll give you an example. We, we had a customer that uh, wants us to go through terabytes of stuff. And, you know, we basically uh, attached to some of their projects that they did. And, you know, two days later, we had all their stuff indexed online in the system for them to start utilizing. And so we got most of their stuff set up in a very short period of time. What we traditionally do with people is, is we actually do a coaching training production environment with you. Because then if I teach you how to do it and I coach you how to repeat the process, and if I'm going to tweak a little bit, I document and validate it and we redo it again, then customers know how to do this as good as we do because the system is pulling the heavy weight for you. You know, you don't, you don't have to be, a subject matter expert to be able to utilize the system when it's been configured the way it's supposed to, to process your data the way you want it to. And, you know, we've proven that because we've done it with interns. Yeah, that's great. We have. Yeah, no, I believe you. It's just a great way to, to prove the point, right? Is that they, they may be very bright, but they don't have 10 years of experience. And if, if they, you can make them, it work with them, you know, it's an illustration that, that it'll work for you, Mr. Client. Well, absolutely. That's great. Where do you see this going? So you, you had a, you built something really special and it's, it's solving lots of problems. Where do you see things developing over time? Well, you know, I, I, I see it becoming less of a disruptive technology, if you would, mm-hmm. and being a mainstream technology because more and more people are seeing it. It's being engaged with more and more people, uh, you know, owners predominantly, but we're also now working with contractors to help them understand that, you know, this solves a big problem for them because if they can get clear, concise requirements from the owner, which they can, then when they do their submittals, they spend less time, less money, and don't have to keep searching for stuff to deliver what supposedly was bought and paid for. And so if, if you have you know the supply chain working together with the owners, then it helps facilitate that. And you know, again, construction people have been doing construction projects forever and they do BIM BDC and, you know, uh, I whims and, and, you know, that, that helps, but it doesn't solve the whole problem. And so, you know, we're, we're able to help do that with a, a very efficient technology that was designed specifically because nobody in the marketplace has designed a handover management system to do the task at hand. We did, we brought it to market. And now people are, let's say, uh, excited to do the messy job of handover because it is messy. Everybody knows that. The end, I mean, the end of any project, it's tough to keep people focused and, and motivated. And, you know, the best, the best GCs will suffer from that a little, right? And well, subs, of course, not suffer, but they're on to their next job because they don't have a lot of, a lot of 
slack. So they, they need to be on to the next thing. So being able to organize this is, is, is huge. One last question is, do you find that this is, I, I know that, that it works for any facility. We've covered that earlier. But do you find that, that you get easier traction with more complex facilities that have a lot of operating in them versus large facilities that have you know, a lot of offices or, or, or um, classrooms? Uh, or, is, or is there any difference? Are there, are, do you find there are segments for how, how you go and sell and, and where it, the value proposition just really, they're dying for it? Well, you look for owners that know they have a problem mm-hmm. and, and want to do something about it. Uh, we look for specific, let's say, benchmark accounts in, in the different vertical spaces uh, for universities, for healthcare, for the federal agencies, for the oil and gas agencies, and so forth. And so, you know, every owner has this problem. I don't mm-hmm. care who you are. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this way too long, and I can go into your database and I can't find stuff very quickly and very easily, if at all. And so, you know, if, if people understand they want to tackle it and they don't want to spend millions of dollars to do it, then they need to call us because we're very fast, we're very efficient, and our solution is very cost-effective, uh, whether you're an enterprise agency or you're a, a community college that has these problems. This is really great. I've, I've learned a lot about the handover process and how you guys are solving it. So Steve, thank you for being on the podcast. Yes, sir. Thank you, Hugh. Thanks for having me. And I hope to talk to you again soon.